Thanks for checking out another episode of Conversations with Father Greg. In this episode, we have a homily for Sunday, April 11th, 2021, which is the second Sunday in the season of Easter. Let's start off with the Gospel reading for today. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands, and put my finger in the mark of the nails, and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. The Gospel of Christ. May I speak to you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Have you ever heard someone say that an actor has been typecast? Think about people like William Shatner as Star Trek's Captain Kirk, Alfonso Ribeiro as Carlton on The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, maybe Drew Barrymore as The Wholesome Girl Next Door. Typecasting occurs when we become so accustomed to seeing a person in a certain role that it becomes difficult to see them in any other way. It doesn't just happen to actors. It can happen whenever we think about a person predominantly in one way. In fact, we get a glimpse of it today when we read about Jesus, his disciples, and the man that has become colloquially known as Doubting Thomas. Before we dive into today's reading, let's recap where we left off last week. Last Sunday, we heard John's account of the very first Easter morning. You may recall that John told us that Mary Magdalene was the first one to discover Jesus' empty tomb. 
Having verified Mary's claims, Peter and John simply went back home while Mary lingered in the garden. Still in the depths of grief, Mary was rewarded with a visit from the resurrected Jesus, who lovingly called her by name. She then became the first person to preach an Easter sermon, telling the others the good news that Jesus was back. Our Gospel reading for today picks up right where we left off last week. Later that same day, an unconfirmed number of Jesus' followers had gathered together behind locked doors. We don't know where Thomas was, but John tells us that he was not with the others. We do know that they had gathered behind locked doors because they were afraid of the religious authorities who had organized Jesus' trial and execution. Despite the locked door, Jesus appeared in their midst. After all, if a tomb couldn't keep him in, then a lock certainly couldn't keep him out. Standing in their midst, he pronounces a blessing of peace. Can you imagine the flood of emotions? Think about what they had been through over the last few days. It had been traumatic. Grieving not only the death of someone they loved, but also grieving the loss of the hope that he had inspired. Fear of the authorities. A mixture of alarm, joy, and shame as the still-wounded Jesus appeared in their midst. And now maybe the nightmare of the last few days was finally over. Maybe they might dare to hope again that everything would be all right, somehow. What happens next is interesting. Jesus tells them that he is sending them out into the world to continue the work that he had begun. He equipped them with the gift of the Holy Spirit and even gave them the authority to forgive sin. The first person that they had to tell was Thomas, who had not been with them in that room, and he responded with a mixture of reluctance and skepticism. His reaction was not unfamiliar, telling the others that seeing is believing. He wants proof. You know, I think Thomas has gotten the short end of the stick for quite some time. Although he inspired the phrase Doubting Thomas, his questions were not really that unreasonable. Peter and John were no less perplexed when Mary told them about the empty tomb. They ran to look for themselves. They had to see it with their own eyes. In one way, you can't really blame them. After all, we're talking about someone coming back from the dead. It's not exactly an everyday occurrence. Now they're telling Thomas that Jesus was back, alive, walking, and talking. The others had an advantage. They had already seen the evidence that Thomas was asking for. Sure, Thomas had some questions and wanted some proof, but he wasn't asking for anything that the others hadn't already experienced. If we pause for a moment, we begin to realize that this story doesn't really revolve around doubt at all. In fact, curiosity is a normal reaction to what was a very unusual situation. It's also important to notice Jesus' response. He welcomed Thomas' questions and all. 
Jesus did not consider Thomas's questions a barrier to a restored relationship. The questions were addressed and Thomas was welcomed just as the others had been. We need to exercise some caution when we read this story. It would be easy to focus on Thomas and his quest for proof, but doing so might risk losing sight of a few things. First of all, this was one event in the life of an otherwise faithful and devout person. Our first real encounter with Thomas in John's Gospel occurred when Jesus' friend Lazarus had recently died. The apostles did not want to return to Judea for fear that the authorities would put Jesus to death. Thomas defends Jesus' decision to return, telling the others, Let us go with Jesus, that we might die with him. Now that's a pretty big commitment. In today's text, Thomas had questions, but his questions would eventually lead him to declare Jesus Christ as both Lord and God. Clearly, he was not held captive by his questions. Furthermore, early church tradition holds that Thomas would eventually go on to travel as far as what is now India, helping to establish Christian communities along the way. At the very least, this story encourages us to consider how we understand others. We begin to see that it's neither fair nor accurate to define a person's entire life by one moment in time. We get a better understanding of the person when we consider more information. Secondly, there is more to this story than Thomas's reaction to the astonishing news of the resurrected Jesus. Jesus appeared to a small group of grieving and broken people. The very same people who had deserted and betrayed him not long before. To be fair, their world had been turned on its head in the last week. Everything they had hoped for had been shattered. Someone described the scene this way. The disciples were fearful. Good news does not erase fear. Good news, incredible news, can ignite hope. But even hope does not eliminate genuine fear. So there they were in a familiar place, desperate with unfamiliar fear. And this is when Jesus steps into the room, offering them forgiveness, restoration, and a renewed sense of mission. Once again, God showed up in person, just when they needed him the most. Just when they felt broken down as though everything had been shattered, Jesus showed up and offered them hope. On what must have seemed to be one of the darkest days of their lives, Jesus showed up again, shining the light of hope and purpose while offering them a way through their despair. This text offers us a few lessons today. As we face yet another provincial lockdown, we can take consolation that Jesus appeared to a small group of confused and hurting people huddled behind a locked door in fear of what was happening in the world around them. Despite the anxiety and the fear, this story still promises hope and light. We can still hear Jesus' words, Peace be with you. For those of us who may be feeling weary, broken, and run down, 
Thomas's story stands as a witness that our lives are not defined by our darkest hours. Thomas reminds us that the story of our lives cannot simply be reduced to the darkest chapter. As long as we have breath, we have hope for a brighter tomorrow. There's a third layer to this story. Jesus offered his disciples restoration and empowered them for mission. Despite everything that happened, the disciples were not sidelined. They were equipped and commended to continue the work that Jesus had begun. It's a reminder that God does not call the equipped. God equips those God calls. God uses regular, everyday, sometimes broken people to do amazing and transformative things in the world and in the lives of others. Nowhere is this more clear than when Jesus appeared to those who denied and deserted him, only to tell them that he was sending them out as God had sent him. Let's pray. Faithful and compassionate God, your spirit guides the church and makes it holy. Hear the prayers we offer that in the particular ministry to which you have called us, we may serve you faithfully. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Amen.